Good morning, Merlin. I'm Alan Pangborn. I'm the president and CEO of Chesapeake Gold. Uh, good to see you again. Just a bit of uh, update. Uh, the Mentatis project, which is our key project, is in Durango, Mexico. Very, very large gold-silver deposit. 19 million ounces of gold, 500 and something million ounces of silver. So very large deposit. And we've been working on it for the last couple of years, trying to find a solution to the metallurgy, which is our key focus. And we've, we've got one. We've got more and more information to support um, the, the process that we're proposing to use to unlock value at what is one of the largest undeveloped gold-silver deposits in the world. Alan, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, um, good to be talking to you again. We last spoke, I think, about seven months ago, at the beginning of the year. Um, and I asked you, when, when are you likely to be putting out some um, metallurgical news? And I think you said in September-ish. Um, I noticed from this um, news release that it's still an ongoing program, that the, um, it, it, it's, it's not, you're not, you, you said you're there, but you didn't really, um, re reading through the, the, the press release, which is quite comprehensive and quite detailed, I couldn't see any information about um, recoveries. But let, before we kind of get onto that, what is the crux? What is, what is the, um, the, the main message? Forgive the pun. Um, what is the main message in um, in the news in the news release that you published a couple of days ago? So, if if you remember the history of what we've been doing, we we started with a concept that you can oxidize sulfides in a heat leach environment, and we know we can do that. The copper industry has been doing it for thirty years, and everybody's heard me say this. Um, we did an initial cider column on some old material. And, and we did get recoveries. We, we were able to, to oxidize it to 20-something percent, and we improved the gold and silver recoveries over zero oxidation. So gold went from 30-ish up to 60, and silver went from 15, 20% up to 50. So the process improved the recovery. We got those results. We were ecstatic that we found that it does work. Um, however, we we drilled some fresh holes to get fresh material because you've always got to be careful. Material's been held. You don't know how it's been held. You don't know how it's been stored. So we drilled some more material. We got a nice surprise around grades, which we put out a new resource some time back. Um, we tested the fresh material, and unfortunately, the oxidation rate was way, way, way slower. Okay. And we went, so, this, oh. so effectively, the the samples had been oxidizing in storage, and when you oh, got the fresh material, like that. yeah, yeah. So when you got the fresh material that you drilled last last year, I think it was, you did yep. kind of eighteen holes. Is that right? Um, yeah. Um, and um, so those oxidation rates were lower. And when we spoke in February, you were talking about understanding the stress patterns in the in the crystals, yeah, because the oxidation goes down the fractures, and that can um, give the the, the leaching fluids access to the gold, which is in the microfractures of the sulfur. Right, right. And so, so, so anyway, we, we had that little problem that it, it was slower, didn't really understand why. Um, and, and the message at the time, and this was probably about this time last year, was we're doing a bunch of tests under different conditions to try and understand and speed up the oxidation rate. The principal message in yesterday's press release was 
we found a set of conditions that replicate what we saw in the cytocolum. So kinetics, it's it, the, 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 where we're at today, the, the question isn't, does it work? The question is kinetics to get there. How long is it going to take? Are we in evolutionary time frames, right? Which is geologic oxidation. Or are we in, in autoclave timeframes, which we're not, because that's in minutes. So where are we in that spectrum? The initial column suggested it was going to be about 180 days, and that's what we used in the PEA. The slower columns were about half of that rate, and you go, oh dear, that's 365. The best conditions we've got at the moment, we're seeing a rate that probably puts us in that 100 to 120 day range, um, which is great because that lowers the capital because the, the pads and there's all sorts of things. And so back to the key message, we have found a set of conditions that oxidize 50% faster than the first column we tested. If I'd read then press release right. On fresh oil. On fresh oil. On fresh oil. Remember, I'm just an ignorant geologist. And these um, metallurgical questions are, are um, sometimes they bother me. Did I read it right that it was a kind of an alkali solution um, yes. on the fresh rock that, that mixed? What does that mean in terms of cost and, and um, practicalities? So heat bleaching of refractory gold sulfides was tried 20-something years ago, um, and it didn't work. And it didn't work because they were using the acidic conditions under which bacteria oxidize pyrite and form acid rock gen acid rock uh, discharge. Yeah. Right? ARD. Yeah. The problem was when they went to neutralize that to then use cyanide, because cyanide is still the best lixivian for, for gold and silver. Nobody's found a better one yet. They had a real problem because when you when you take the pH from 2 to 10, you get one of the biggest unwanted precipitation events you've ever seen, and it gunks up everything. Yep. If, if you do a bit of a Google search, you will find that it is possible to get pyrite to oxidize in alkali conditions. If you can get pyrite to oxidize in alkali conditions and you maintain that alkalinity across the entire process, you don't get a massive unwanted precipitation event because what is soluble at pH 10 to 11 stays soluble. What is insoluble will precipitate or stay insoluble. And you don't you don't get this massive gunk that suddenly coats everything. So you don't form jarosite, for instance. Yeah. Because if you go down to two and then come back up to ten, the most common iron oxide you form is jarosite. Jarosite is known to gunk up all sorts of things. <laughs> and so you you don't go through that process. And so we our our entire concept was start alkali, stay alkali. Pyrite will oxidize in an alkali system. It's just a case of time. So, so there's there's two things in the press release. One is that graph that shows those better conditions that are fifty percent faster than our first column, or three hundred percent faster than the phase two columns. That's the difference it makes. 
And then the other one that is really interesting, and you mentioned it about the stress on the on the pyrite crystals. There's actually three, I think it is, or four. There's four four micrograph pictures in the press release. Okay. And so I'll, I'll I'll walk you a bit through those. So one, you can very clearly see what must have been a marker site, a piece of marker site. And we put a picture deliberately of what marcasite looks like in, in hand specimen size before it oxidizes. And in fact, on the picture we used, you can see this crust of brown around the outside, right? Um, and when we did the microprobe on it, it was all hematite. So it is fully oxidized to iron oxide, but you can still see the relic structure in the iron oxide, which is really, really cool. Um, the second photo we drew some lines on it because you can see how it's attacked it in all sorts of weird places and it's turned it into a honeycomb because remember these are slices and then they're polished so you're actually seeing deeper into the crystal and to get oxidation in the center pieces means that it's turned into a honeycomb and that honeycomb effect has gone down the cleavage planes or the stress planes in in the crystal and then the, the third picture that's really interesting is one that you can clearly see that the pyrite crystal has been oxidized from the outside in. So you've got two different oxidation process methods going on. You've got one where it's going down cleavage planes when there's stress in the crystal, and you've got one where it's literally going from the outside in, yeah, which is a diffusion control. Yeah? That's all well and good. What I'm what, what I'm struggling with is you've got a big kind of pile of pyrite rock, pyrite-rich rock, which has got some gold in it, which is PAG. You know, it's kind of potentially acid generating. Oh no, it's not potentially. It is. It is okay. So you've got acid generating. So so if you chuck on a fluid on there, it's going to create an acid. But you're then going to try and saturate it in a reagent, so to bring the the pH higher, so it's a so alkaline. and I keep it alkaline. That's right. Yeah, how does that work? Same way as any buffer works. Okay, so it's a buffer, but surely you've got a lot of buffering to do. Even you've got a. Um, I mean, we're talking big big tonnages here. This, this yeah. isn't a small operation. This is a no, no. Uh, a high tonnage, low grade, stack it high, pour on the so fluid. so any 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 process that oxidizes sulfide has to handle how do I neutralize the acid that I generate? Mm. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, there's you, you, you put alkali into the system. The reason they put alkali into the, the leaching oxide leaching system is to keep the pH up so the cyanide doesn't volatilize, so it doesn't go so, away. So what, what um, do you need? You're going to use kind of um, calcium carbonate. You've got a limestone... Um, um I, I, I that that that's called IP, Merlin. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's IP. And and you know, we we've not stated what alkalis we're using and we're not going to. It's covered right. by by uh by the license we have and it's it's patent pending. And I'm sorry, I'm not gonna tell you. That's fine. The that's alkalis. fine. But the the, I th well, the the question that comes springs to mind is What's the what's the cost implication going to be? And I, I guess the, the, the those those numbers will only come out in the PFS, which is sometime later next year. The numbers are actually in the PEA. 
we 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 addressed that in the PEA when we put it together. It was a full economic. It was a preliminary economic analysis. The only thing I'm missing so far is the final answer of can I get to seventy to seventy five percent gold and silver recovery? Okay. I know I can get to sixty or fifty fifty uh, sixty gold and fifty silver when I get to sort of twenty twenty five percent oxidation, which is what I got on the cider column which is in that graph that's in the press release. So I know I can get to 60, 50 and 60, 60 gold, 50 silver. I need to get a little bit higher on the oxidation. The pictures of the sulfite grains clearly show that we are oxidizing the pyrite. And these are only just three that obviously help me explain this to people, clearly showing the difference of the two the two principal oxidation paths. We've got over 900, almost 1,000 um, individual assay points. So those little yeah. red dots in the graph are microprobe points. And so I can, I, in some cases, and in the case of, of the, the one where it's diffusion, you can actually see the oxygen level going up and the sulfur level going down as you go across that crystal, which is really cool. There's the really cool. Sorry, there's the really cool stuff in this. Um, so we know we know it's working. We can show you it's working at a microscopic level. Yeah, um, and so it's it comes back to the same thing. It's how long and how far do I have to oxidize to get those recoveries? I know okay. if I get to twenty five, thirty percent, I get that sixty percent gold and fifty percent silver. If 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 it's gonna be brutally kind of succinct about the news release, it's the oxidation is working um and you think you can improve the oxidation time by fifty percent. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Let's let's park that and let's move on to a couple of other questions. Just before we started this interview, I said I had I had three things that we, I wanted to talk about, and you also had three, and they matched. So we've done one. Let's go on to the other, um, the next two. Um, sure. One of which is the um, the San Vicente license and the the um, San Vicente three, the mineral concession that's being um, right. contested by the federal government in Durango. So we're in the middle of a legal case, so I've got to be a little careful what I can and can't say. There is no further news yet. Um, maybe maybe the best thing to do is to explain a little bit about the process and the system in Mexico so as people understand what happened. So in Mexico, um, as in a lot of places, you have a concession. Every year there are things that you have to do to maintain that concession. And in the case of Mexico, I think it's three things. You have to put in a report that says, this is the work we did. Within that report, you also have to say, and this is how much money we spent. And you send that to, to the government every year. As part of their processes, every year, yeah, every year we, we've got one or two, because we've got a lot of different leases and and Metathis is yep. made up of 13 or 14 leases for the entire area that we need for the development of the project. And we've got other leases around Mexico. So every year we get one or two letters back from the DGM asking for additional information. Sometimes they ask for a site visit uh, to, 
to verify that you said you drilled five holes. Can you show us the collars? Can you show us the core? Can you show us this, show us that? And that's fine. That's, you know, everybody's got a right to audit. Um, and so in in the case of San Vicente 3 and a couple of others, we got one of those letters in time and in the right, in the right uh, format. We sent them what they asked for. They challenged some of it. We sent them some more. We offered them to come for a site visit, total, all of that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, for some unknown reason, they decided that they didn't like all the additional information. Therefore, you haven't complied. Therefore, we're going to cancel the lease. And we went, hang on a minute. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, and so we're challenging it. So now the process, it's not exactly the fastest thing. And as with any legal process, there's no point asking me how long is it going to take because it depends when, what the, what the resolutions are as you go through the steps. Because, you know, we're challenging it. We send them all of our information on why we believe we're right. It goes to a judge. They do the same. They have a right to, to appeal at the end. We have a right to appeal at the end. The appeal goes through. You do it again. After that, I think we've got one more right of appeal. Um, so, it, you know, how long is it going to take? Don't know. It's in process. We've put in our, our information. Um, it's in front of the courts at the moment. And is it, is it, is it a key license area? They all are. I, I don't I don't have leases and pay money every year just for the fun of it. Um, yeah. So so you know there is a lease map in the PEA. You can see where it is. It impacts it impacts our ability to develop the project, and it doesn't matter whether it's under a waste dump, the heap leach, the pit. It it becomes irrelevant. It could have if could have been one of the other leases. It would have been just as important. I, I um, looked at the share price um, graph uh, for the last couple of years in the last year, and I, I I saw this big drop in early May, and I thought, well, I wonder what that's linked to, and I went to the... Two things happened at the same time. So that was one, yeah? And that, that was very specific to us. But at the same time, the government passed a new mining law. And the new mining law currently has no regulations below it so they're writing those and they're supposed to be out by october but i'm not sure anybody actually believes that's going to happen um and it's also being challenged in the courts now one of the things that's still encouraging about mexico despite the current government having tried to do several things that are interesting um is that the rule of law still works and that's important, yeah. Yeah. Um, the it appears that the the courts are not influenceable by the current administration um, because he's had he's tried a lot of things and he's lost every time. I asked you about the the Mexican kind of risk thing last time, and you said that uh, I I was pretty much the first person to ask you about that, and it hadn't really come up as a. Um, as a hot topic amongst your shareholders or, or potential shareholders among investors, but um, when I it has when now, I, it has now. <laughs> oh, has it? <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Um, 
I also, when I zoomed out on the website, on, on the share price graph, I could see that what looks dramatic in the, in on a week-by-week basis actually fits in quite nicely with the general trend of the gold sector being pretty rubbish over the last three years. Um, Unfortunately, I mean, yeah. So your share price has gone from $7 to $1.60. You know, it's it's tough, tough, tough. Um, which kind of leads me on to the next question, which is that you've announced that you're stepping down. Um, what's what's um, a bit more color on that, please? It is truly personal, and and I've and I've said to investors that have called me about it. It it's related to my family, um, and I've I've got to spend some time with my family, and I cannot hold a full time job at the same time. Yeah. Um, the medical system in Canada is notoriously slow. Um, and we're not prepared to wait. And so we, we've already been down to Chile once. Uh, we go there because my wife's from there. I lived there 22 years. The medical system is extremely fast. I mean, to give you some idea, uh, we went down to Chile, landed on a Thursday morning, we were in front of a specialist on Thursday mid-morning. Three tests were done on on Thursday. Two more tests were done on Friday. Results were back by Thursday. The following Thursday, we were back in the clinic on Friday for surgery and out on Saturday. You can't do that in Canada. I, I just, I just got to, I've got to prioritize. It's yeah, personal. I get it. Yeah, um, Alan. Um, yeah, I completely understand that. And uh, it's funny t- hearing you talking about the um, the metallurgy. I can see you're completely enthusiastic about the project. There's nothing. Um, there's nothing that's changed there in your in your um, passion for uh, metallurgy and the kind of the the technological solution that kind of awaits it or is 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 being un- unfurled. Good luck with the um, with the coming months uh, and the and the time ahead with the with the family uh, priority number one completely understand I, I respect that are you being part of the selection process for um, uh, who comes in the boards sorting out what they're going to do I look I I have a large investment in the company yeah you know, I I own eleven point something percent of the company something like that um, and you know obviously. As you said, I mean this this stuff. I, I find this stuff really cool, um, and 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 I I enjoy what I do. I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy the technical side of it. I think this is potentially a a industry changing concept. Um, and once once people get their head around it, it it will change how you treat low-grade refractory ore bodies, not dissimilar to when we worked out how to oxidize secondary copper sulfides and be able to use heat bleaching for that. Um, so, so you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to be around as much as I can. Um, it's really up to the board if they want me involved in the selection process. I'm certainly willing to do that. If they want me to to be able to hang around and and help with certainly the technical side of things, you know, we can discuss that too. I just can't be full time on this at the moment. 
So just just to help people with what all this means. So that is marcasite as you would find it in the ground. And I've actually I've actually got a, a bigger piece that I keep so as I can show investors, <laughs> which is convenient. If you look at this structure, you can clearly see that same sort of radial structure. And the little red dots are where we did microprobes and the iron oxygen ratio, it's hematite. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, this other one shows the thing I was talking about, about how it goes down the cleavage. You see how you've got all these bits in here. Whenever we ping the bits in the middle that were gray, they were iron oxide. Wherever we pinged the silvery looking stuff, they were pyrite. So again, that, that supports the theory that it goes down stress planes. This other one, the cracks on the outside are probably, it swells when it oxidizes, right? So the cracks are because of the swelling. Some of the cracks are actually in the pyrite crystal. You can see one there. What's really interesting is that little bit there because it's preferentially started to eat through down through the crack. Yeah, it hasn't done quite the same as this one, but you can see it. Yeah, and when we run the, the microprobe across that, there's a clear transition zone here where there's a mixture of iron, sulfur, and oxygen. When you get right into the crystal, it's very definitely pyrite. And when you get on the outer edges, it's very definitely um, um, hematite or limonite. Yeah. Um, so that's Alan, one. I think I'm, I'm going to have to pull you out of the of the of your your. <laughs> we're going to have to pull you out of your inner geek. And let's, let's can you can you um, can you unshare your page, please? Yep. Let's so we just just to wrap up. If I read it back to you, um, the metallurgical test work is ongoing, but you you can see the oxidation is taking place in your your winning time um, yes and you've got an alkali solution you've got an you've got an the ip on that and you believe that you can maintain the whole heap at the right ph to enable this alkali leach to work and you've got some cost figures in the pea but they're going to be refreshed in the pfs which is going to come out next year yep that's about it and and the Everything is supporting that it works. We got back to the velocities, kinetics that we need to be able to get those gold and silver recoveries that we've already shown we can improve the gold and silver recovery. Okay. So I'm good. getting all the pieces to support the PEA and convert it to a PFS. And then and the two other key things that we spoke about, you're stepping down for personal reasons because you can't be on full time. Um and the San Vicente three license is in the courts, which are functioning. The, the 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 law legal system in Mexico is functioning despite some political turbulence around the mining sector in general. And you uh, have got a robust rebuttal of any uh, lapse of your working and your permitting process. That's right. And we got two independent opinions on our what we're doing, not just one. Yeah. So. One lawyer, obviously, that is doing it for us, but we also got a second independent opinion to ensure that what that lawyer is telling us is coherent and consistent. Yeah. So we've we've got a very strong case. And to wrap up, because I know that we're short of time, um, can you just guide me to what you're hoping the company will deliver as news flow over the coming months and um, quarters? Obviously, now that we've found a way to oxidize this stuff quicker, I want to take that determination, leach it, 
gold silver recovery. So there'll be another metallurgical update um, this year. Q1? Yeah, I'm trying to work out in my head where I'm actually at, but yeah, it could yeah, it's somewhere around there. Late this year, Q1. Let's call it Q1 to be safer. Yeah, once once I've actually got well, I've got once the company's got those results, they can then then they've got what they need to support the PFS. Everything else that was done, we've got everything else we need to support the PFS. That that's already there. apart from the permit, apart from the permit. But hey, tell me, tell me anybody who's got a permit when they do a PFS. Okay, okay, and it's just that last time when we spoke, you said that the two key things you wanted were permits and water clearance. Uh, yep, and you still need those before you build it, but you don't need those to be able to do a PFS. We know where we're going to get water okay. from. We know where we're going to get power from. We know where the road's going to go. We've got all the topo. We're doing all the environmental stuff. Everything I need to take that PEA and change it from PEA to PFS, all I'm needing is the MET test work to support it. Can you give me a quarter in which you'll be delivering a PFS next year? No, because I don't know the answers until I've got them. <laughs> okay. But, but it's more likely to be the second half of the year than the first half of the year. Um, actually, when you, it, it's, it's interesting. When you've got all of the information, it's really surprising. You can do a study very quickly. Yeah. If every time the engineer says, where is this? You just go here, here, here. What often happens is people preempt the next study before they've actually got the next round of information. We yeah. will have the next round of information before we start it. I've done this um, too many times. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, good luck uh, in the months ahead. And I uh, look forward to speaking to you or the, the, the next CEO along. No, great. And thanks for your time, Merlin. It's been a pleasure as always.